part of Double P Media, doublepmedia.com. Spoiler alert. Today we are going to be talking about the Lord of the Rings Rings of Power trailer, which aired first during the Super Bowl in 2022 for the upcoming Amazon series that will be released on September 2nd of 2022. Speculations will be made. Some points about some of the shots from the trailers may be spoilery. So, if you're not into that kind of thing, you've been warned. Busted. Blockbusters. Welcome back to Bustin' Blockbusters. My name is Matt. You can call me Matthew. You can call me Double M. You can call me Hey You if you wish. So glad you could join us today for our look at the teaser trailer for The Lord of Rings, Rings of Power, the television series, which is coming to Amazon on September 2nd. And I was going to have a guest with me today. Uh, people have been demanding proof of life from catfish as if they can't get it from the Parsec Passion podcast. Just last week, he was talking about Book of Boba Fett. But no, they asked me for proof of life, and I was going to have him on. Yet, things happen. Emergencies happen. Things, especially in his business, where he could be called to do something at any given moment. He couldn't make this particular podcast. He is alive, I promise you. I promise you. I do not have him dangling from some rope somewhere or anything like that. He is alive. Plus, it may be more beneficial for the fans of the Lord of the Rings anyway, because Catfish and I have a terrible, absolutely terrible track record, that's a double T, of covering shows that end up only getting one season. We covered the first and only season of Penny Dreadful City of Angels. We covered the first and only season of Lovecraft Country together. This is what we do. So maybe the fact that he's not here for this trailer actually bodes well for the series in the future. We'll find out when we start covering the show properly in September. But in the meantime, feel free to give us your thoughts about this trailer. Supplement the lack of catfish and therefore the lack of funny, probably in this podcast, with your own fun jokes about the trailer. And I'm going to be rating it today. We'll be going through it, not frame by frame, like we do sometimes at the Double P Podcast Network, but shot by shot. And we'll be looking at that. Uh, we'll be getting some of your reactions to the trailer via a poll that I put out, and uh, a little bit of feedback as well. Might even play a fun game. I had a what's worse game planned for this particular trailer. It's not so much fun when I have to argue both sides as it is when I have somebody to bounce it off of. So I might just pose those questions to you as we get to that portion of the podcast. No musical analysis this time. So nothing to worry about skipping over if you're not into any of that. I'll tell you what. Why don't we just get right into rating this trailer and for that, I'm probably going to need an episode metric or two. Episode metrics. And naturally, any time that I'm going to be talking about metrics, then I better get my glasses so that I can read those metrics, because sometimes there's a lot of letters associated with these. And I guess I'll start with this metric. First of all, let's just say that I really liked the trailer, first of all. I'll give you a, a number rating here in a minute. 
But here's a couple of things to consider about how I arrived at that decision. One metric is the LES WTMWI. Looks expensive, so was the money worth it? Very important metric. Uh, it looked fantastic. I thought that the whole thing was just beautifully shot. I love the fact that it had that cinematic feel. It was shot in whatever ratio that, that films are shot in rather than just a standard, you know, HD TV, even though the episodes will probably come off that way. Uh, I still feel like that when I see something that is letterboxed, I'm like, Ooh, this is special. And it felt special in that way. The effects look fantastic. And the other question though, that I have was that I, I was also pondering this metric. The W-A-H-O-T-P, which is who are half of these people? Some of the characters I knew from reading the Variety magazine exclusive. Some of the characters I knew uh, because we were told early on that uh, characters that we knew from Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings films might be appearing, uh, mainly the ones that are kind of immortal, like the elves. Uh, or ones that were associated with some of their families, like the dwarves. Um, and we knew that we were going to get some of that. But there were plenty of things that happened so fast, and you couldn't tell who was who. And uh, I had to take notes in order to be able to discuss this trailer. Most of these notes are stolen. They're not mine. Uh, they're not my recollections. I will admit to you that I am not a Lord of the Rings expert. I am not a Tolkien scholar. If you want any of that stuff, I suggest you go to onering.net because they've got plenty of people over there that are more than willing to prove themselves as to how well they know how many times Aragon breathes a second or a minute or how many times his heart beats in a minute and stuff like that, which I don't care about. I just care that I get a good story. I want something to wow me and pull me in and make me invest not just in the characters that I know, because since I know that Galadriel is in this earlier thing and I know that she's in the Lord of the Rings movies, I'm not really too invested in whether she's going to live or die. These are the kinds of things that you know are going to go one way or another. Now, that doesn't mean there's not peril. That doesn't mean there has doesn't have to be some kind of recovery period in this stuff. But, you know, if I see Galadriel and I see Elrond, I'm not going to worry that they're going to get their head split into. Some of the more other mortals that we may see that I don't know, I need the show to invest me in them. I'm not quite so sure that this trailer truly invested me in any of the characters that I didn't already know and weren't already satisfied with how their outcome is going to be. On the other hand, I've had to collect a lot of stuff from places like Screen Rant, Polygon, uh, In Deep Geek, the YouTube, in order to be able to suggest to you what some of these shots might mean. And some of those interpretations are conflicting, so it'll still be up for you to decide and for me to decide ultimately uh, who we think's right or wrong about those. I'm not even talking about rating the episode right now, am I? I'm going to give this 9 out of 10 what I like to call 
double D's. And that stands for daring durance, because you've got to be daring in order to break a rock, right? Especially if you're a dwarf. <laughs> At any rate, now it kind of making fun of Durin there and, and the fact that they made such a big deal out of a shot of a rock. We can talk about what that might mean, of course, because of the place that uh, Durin the Fourth, who is that character that was splitting the rock, we'll see uh, the place that they reside at uh, becomes very important in the movies and the stories that we know from Tolkien uh, all so well. So there was a lot in this trailer that also looked very, very much in tribute to Peter Jackson's films as well, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, probably because most of the locale shots were done, of course, in New Zealand. And New Zealand has become Middle Earth to a whole generation of people. I don't know how old was I when Lord of the Rings, the move, when Peter Jackson's movies came out? I guess around 30, somewhere in there, uh, just a little past 30 maybe. And I loved it. And I couldn't believe that there was any place on Earth. And granted, some of it was CGI enhanced. And I'm sure a lot of it, given that this is the most expensive show in television history, according to some of the reports that I've read, I'm sure a lot of it will be, you know, uh, done with visual effects as well. Uh, nonetheless, uh, there's nothing more beautiful than New Zealand just as its own space and, and giving them places um, with which to really ground uh, the actors in, in terms of uh, who their characters are. So I'm really looking forward to that one particular shot, the waterfall shot where you could kind of see an elf and some other elves kneeling with them looked so much like Rivendell, the, the colors, everything looked fantastic. Uh, so uh, again, nine out of 10 for me, I want to know what you would rate this trailer yourself and you can do so by tweeting to at bust blockbuster on twitter you can also send emails to matt's audioblog at gmail.com that's m-a-t-t-s audioblog at gmail.com there's also a contact form at the website and the website is where i have all of the stuff that i do including my game of thrones house of dragon song of ice and fire podcast which is not part of the double p media network but uh, is in partner with the Double P Media Network. Uh, all of the other podcasts that I've ever done in my whole life, you can find links to at mattsaudioblog.com, M-A-T-T-S audioblog.com. And there's, like I said, there's a contact form there that you can use to send your feedback as well. You can leave comments on any of the posts there. One thing that we want to be sure that you are doing, though, is to, of course, Give Double P the love that they deserve. They let me come on here and act like a clown on their YouTube. They're very generous in that way. Bubba and Catfish, of course, are extraordinary podcasters in themselves, even though Catfish couldn't seem to make this particular one. I mean, you know, it's Catfish. So be sure to follow them because there's lots of stuff coming up for Double P. The Obi-Wan Kenobi series is going to be coming out. Double P has a podcast that will cover that. Parsec Passion. Look for it wherever you get your podcast. Uh, His Dark Materials will be covering out this year, later this year. We hope anyway that it will, season three, the third and final season probably. Uh, Holly and I will be covering that on a podcast called The Dust. Go look for that and subscribe to it. Also, 
there is a general Double P podcast feed. Look for that and subscribe to it because it's going to have a whole bunch of cool stuff on this year coming up just next month. The Last Kingdom season five, the final Netflix season will be coming out and we'll be covering it on the Double P podcast feed. So look for the word double, the letter P podcasts. That's a word. And find it wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe. You're going to have to subscribe to a lot of podcasts to catch everything that Bubba, Catfish or myself are doing. I'll also be covering The Crown on Netflix when season five comes out preferably later this year, although we may not be able to cover it until the beginning of next year because I cover that with Holly and Bubba. And Holly has a certain kind of ritual that she goes through when she watches it. So I can't guarantee that she will want to podcast about it just as soon as it comes out right away. Nonetheless, we will cover it on Podcast Lilibet. So there's another double P feed for you to subscribe to you really need to follow at the word double the letters phq on twitter in order to keep up with all of this stuff that we're going to be doing in 2022 not to mention the fact that the joffrey of podcasts will be returning as well as my podcast before the dragon both covering a song of ice and fire and of course the hbo release of house of the dragon whenever that occurs make a list of podcasts to subscribe to so that you can be sure to have fun with us, interact with us. You can also just subscribe to the YouTube because everything that we do for double P media shows up there. That is youtube.com slash C slash the word double, the letter P media. Whew. That's a lot of housekeeping that I'm getting out of the way here. I've got pages and pages of notes here and I'm going to try to keep this as brief as possible because I know that your time is valuable to you. Uh, hopefully I'm just riding along with you on your commute to work uh, and you can just pause me and, and turn me back on when you're ready to, or, or when you get tired of hearing my voice, because sometimes, you know, when I do these things by myself, I get tired of hearing my voice. One thing that I did do just to get a pulse on what people were thinking about this trailer was I put out a poll at Bust Blockbuster on Twitter asking people to rate this trailer on a scale of one to 10. And I gave everything kind of different numbers and uh, different things, but 10 out of 10 would have been Galadriel greatness. Seven out of 10 to nine out of 10 would have been Duran doable. If you had a five or six rating out of 10, then it was mediocre middle earth. And if you had lo anything lower than a five, was considered Harfoot horrible. And I didn't really assign these with any kind of intention as if to say like the, the Harfoots are, are a terrible invention uh, because they do exist in that time period. Uh, there's just not much in the way of stories for hobbits. And here's the thing that was surprising to me. I got a lot of votes. I get more votes than I normally do on polls like this. And maybe it was because I also tagged it with the Super Bowl, so it got more attention. Or maybe the fact that it was retweeted by double p but i found it very interesting less than half of the people total rated it higher than a six everybody else rated it a six or lower i see it's something like 50 nearly 54 percent rated it a six or lower and the remaining percentage 
what, 46%, 46.5% maybe, uh, rated it higher than a 7. 25% of the vote went to Galadriel Greatness. That's a 10 out of 10. Duran Doable, which is 7 to 9 out of 10, got 21.4%. Mediocre Middle Earth got 17.9%. But the overall vote getter, highest vote getter, was the 1 to 4 rating, the Harfoot Horrible. That's a double H. 35.7% of the people who voted on this poll evidently did not like this trailer. And I wonder if one of the reasons that they didn't like this trailer is for one of the reasons that I took my point off. And that was that the shots went by so fast and it was very hard to get invested in these characters unless you already knew who some of them were, Uh, especially the ones that aren't really in the story, so to speak of the Cimmerillion or any of the other Tolkien legends that you might find in the appendix or anything. There were only a couple of characters that we know from Tolkien mythology really well that we saw in the trailer. Uh, A couple of them were just completely made up. So maybe that's one reason why you didn't like it. Or maybe you just thought that it was too short. Maybe you just thought that it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't impactful enough. I Maybe you thought against what I think, the fact that it was beautiful. But either way, uh, I want to hear what you think. Once again, tweet at BustBlockbuster on Twitter, or you can also tweet to the bosses at the word double, the letters PHQ on Twitter. Oh, also, don't forget that Double PHQ has a Facebook page, facebook.com slash the word double, the letters PHQ there as well. Now, I'm not going to be presenting any Tolkien expertise here. As I said, I am not a Tolkien scholar. You can go to OneRing.net to find those if that's what you're really looking for. And I don't blame you if that's your thing. If you're a person who knows Tolkien in and out, you're probably going to appreciate people who have that kind of knowledge over the kind of knowledge I give you. Um, I've only really perused the Silmarillion like casually, uh, occasionally to get a, a little thing to supplement the a- appendix that I was using to supplement the Lord of the Rings. I haven't even read Fellowship, Two Towers, Return of the King that many times as compared to probably most people my age. I'm not a fanatic when it comes to Tolkien. I think he's a very hard read. Um, I remember I read The Hobbit the first time in fifth grade, and it took me a whole summer to read it because I it was too many words. Uh, but that that's just me. Uh, but I'm going to be as I said earlier, I'm going to be relying on the expertise of, uh, of a couple of other articles or other scholars who have put some thought into their reviews of this trailer. And that includes Screen Rant, Polygon, the In Deep Geek YouTube, and of course, the Variety Magazine exclusive uh, that came out sh- shortly before the weekend so that, uh, you know, because you got to prep these people to understand what they're going to be seeing in the trailer so that they can be wowed by it. The stories, according to In Deep Geek, that can be focused in on a little bit uh, that come from the Cimmerillion or other like stories uh, would be like the rise and fall of Numenor, which is a place where the land of people like Aragon are originally from, or, or the forging of the rings of power. We all heard that story in the prologue of Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring movie, uh, but we might actually see what's going on 
uh, in real time with that. The rise and fall of Mordor, which I, how many times is Mordor going to rise and fall? We're going to have to find that out, I suppose. We've seen that happen once or twice before in the movies already. Uh, the Last Alliance of Elves and Men, something else that we saw a glimpse of in the prologue of Peter Jackson's Fellowship of the Ring. And the connecting tissue for all of these stories really is Sauron, who is actually our big bad from Peter Jackson's movies, right? Sauron is the person who was a kind of a right arm, except I think technically he was a left arm of Morgoth, who was a big bad in the first age. And then Sauron came up, uh, I guess it looks like if we're covering mostly the second age in this television show, it looks like that Sauron is going, we're going to see him come up. Maybe we'll see a little bit more about his origin, his turn from being just a, a Morgoth, you know, side guy uh, to becoming the big bad himself. There is one other thing to note, and that is that the time period of the second age, um, the time period that this show is set in, it's actually technically in the stories spans over thousands of years, but the showrunners that's uh, JD Payne and Patrick McKay have said that they are kind of going to compress some of that time span simply. And for a good reason, you don't want to have to invest in a whole new set of human characters uh, because the next thing happens 150 years after the last thing happens. You know, humans don't live that long. So you just have to keep bringing in new people, which may be more true to form, but I can appreciate for from a storytelling standpoint that I want to be able to invest in a character and stay invested in, in them throughout the entirety of the series. So they're going to be compressing the timelines a little bit. I think it's time to discuss these. Again, we don't do frame by frame in terms of here, like uh, Bubba and Catfish do for many things in Parsec Passion or in the Joffrey of Podcasts. Uh, we will do shot by shot. And it's a little segment that we like to call blah, blah, blah. Okay, so let's get started here, and uh, I'll be reading a lot of things, but I'll be supplying you some pictures if you're on the Double P Media YouTube so that uh, you don't have to watch me read all of this stuff. But we'll start with the first images, and the first shots are a ship coming into this beautiful harbor, and I wasn't really sure exactly what I was looking at here. Like I said, I've only casually read the Silmarillion. It feels very Numenor to me, simply because the statue that is there reminds me a lot of the Argomath, like Gondor or what have you. Um, and uh, that, of course, Gondor is part of the descendants of Numenor, or at least some of them are. So I kind of got that impression myself. But here's what Screen Rant said. Since the architecture looks of elven hand, this locale is most likely Linden, a setting already confirmed for the Rings of Power. Established by the High King Gil-galad in the early Second Age, 
Linden played host to a young Elrond and sits upon the Gulf of Loon to the west of the Blue Mountains, explaining both the water in the foreground and the craggy peak in the background. The statue's identity is trickier to guess at, but given how prominent the star of Fenor is in the Rings of Power, Fenor himself is a reasonable possibility. Now, Polygon actually disagrees with this, saying that in Tolkien lore, the two Argonoth statues are one of the great works of the Kingdom of Gondor, which is what makes it such a good bet that this is a human city rather than an elven one. But this definitely isn't Gondor. It's more likely that we're looking at the island country of Numenor, the human civilization whose survivors founded Gondor. And In Deep Geek actually agrees with that, the YouTube, stating that the mountain in the background increases the likelihood of it being Numenor, as opposed to what Screen Rant says is Linden. The next shot that we have is basically these two hunters going over a land. I love the helicopter shot going over these two. Uh, well, the airborne shot, maybe it was done with a drone. These days, they, they can do things like that. But the the whole idea of these two nomadic hunters just going across this wide open, beautiful land that probably is a great deal natural in New Zealand, which I absolutely loved. Screen Rant actually says that these characters are actually nomadic hunters carrying sharp spears, presumably to stab their prey once the fake wings lure some poor creature in. Um, Those were definitely like, I don't know, elk or moose moose horns. Uh, So I, I don't know what kind of a joke that is. Screen Rant goes on to say exactly what this mystery pair is hunting down isn't shown, but Tolkien's early second age contains all manner of messed up creatures left behind by Morgoth. These men may belong to the Losoth, who also had dealings with Linden. So, Screen Rant is definitely on this Linden kick, whereas In Deep Geek thinks that um, these hunters, no matter where they are or who they're connected to, may have some kind of low-level interaction uh, with the main characters, but nothing of note. It's more just kind of just a scenic shot. Uh, to say, look how beautiful this is. We spent so much money doing this very expensive drone or crane shot over these guys who have these made-up horns that cost billions of dollars apiece <laughs> in order to just tell you that we're making money, that we're spending money. As we get to that, then we hear this female voice saying, have you ever wondered what else is out there? There's wonders in this world beyond our wondering I can feel it. And anytime you say wonders and wandering, I will mess that up every time. Evidently, Markella Cavanaugh did not, though. I, I think that that's her voice, and we see her face uh, as we hear those words, or right after we hear those words. Screen Rant says that early hobbits haven't settled in yet around the Shire. Markella is playing what is called a Harfoot kind of a predecessor to the hobbits. The Harfoots are described as secretive and isolated from other species 
But since Kavanaugh's character promises that there are wonders in this world beyond our wandering, uh, it sounds like this youngster will break the laws of her people to seek a new, better home, perhaps even the Shire. Um, that's an awful lot of speculation. Uh, and some of these things that are being said by Screen Rant and Indie Geek and even Polygon, uh, which we will hear from some as well, they're basically saying things that are also based on things that showrunners have told Variety Magazine and things like that. So I'm giving credit to all of these websites for what they're saying in the show notes. Be sure to check that out as we go along too. And give these people some love for their thoughts. I'm not sure if there's much to say about this character since we don't know anything about her. Um, it's kind of a sweet shot. It kind of endears you to them, or at least it did me. Uh, what do you think? Send me a tweet to at bus blockbuster Indie geek added. And this is something that I think, uh, that came from the showrunners and in that, uh, variety exclusive, uh, said that there will actually be two Harfoots in the story. And I'm not exactly sure, uh, to what extent we will see both of these two Harfoots, but it, it would appear that Markella Cavanaugh is playing at least one Harfoot that we will meet in this world. You then you've got a title card saying before the King. And then there's this huge waterfall that you see that I, I guess it's frozen. And then you see Galadriel who's using her knife to climb an ice flow this scenery is absolutely beautiful, and it looks so perilous, what Gladriel is doing here. And uh, Screen Rant says, most will know the gracious, graceful Lady of Lothorian, uh, who is played by Morphid Clark. See, if Catfish was here, he could make fun of me make, uh, trying to say these names, because I will not get a single name of these actors correctly, uh, but who's playing Gladriel. Uh, who wields powerful magic and has a scary secret face. But the Rings of Power, Galadriel, is a hands-on warrior battling the remnants of Morgoth's followers. Wow. Okay. So, with that in mind, we're going to see a much more warrior side of Galadriel. We kind of saw a little bit of a warrior side of, of Arwen, I suppose, in The Lord of the Rings, and Peter Jackson's uh, Lord of the Rings. Screen Rant further speculates that these are the Blue Mountains just outside of Linden. Huh, fancy that. Uh, Screen Rant is on a Linden fixation. What do they know that the rest of us don't? Uh, we'll have to see whether they know anything at all once the show comes out and we see some of these shots in the television show. Uh, they also note, however, that several other climbers scramble below, suggesting that this may be a, an elven challenge of some sort. And Galadriel is naturally winning. The twin stars upon her shoulder represent, again, the star of Fenor. So lots of fixations on Fenor and Linden coming from there. Now, Polygon adds that in Tolkien's Legendarium, Galadriel did indeed have a long history of badassery before she settled down to be the queen of her own realm. So we're seeing a younger Galadriel uh, who has a lot more heart and is a lot more active. 
because naturally she's not in the same position of power that she is by the time we see her in the Lord of the Rings. She's much more on the, at best, middle management, maybe. Uh, and because she's the, the best elven warrior, it seems like she's winning this race anyway. We didn't get another title card that says before the fellowship. So we've got before the king, before the fellowship. And then we see a human uh, at sea and the, during a pretty fierce storm. And it looks like they're holding on to some ship wreckage or something like that. And Polygon says this about it. The struggling man would seem to be the original character, Hallbrand, who is a fugitive from his own past based on the Vanity Fair feature. A castaway, he will meet Galadriel while they are both adrift in Middle-earth's western sea. So that's interesting, and we'll see some shots of Galadriel later on that might confirm the two of them meeting in the sea. Uh, Screen Rant says that Charlie Vickers plays Halbrand, who is a brand-new human character in J.R.R. Tolkien's world. So this is a uh, showrunner-created character, Hallbrand is described as running from his past by official marketing, and this watery sequence takes place on what they call the Sundering Seas. We can perhaps deduce, therefore, that Hallbrand came from Numenor, the island of mortal men located between Middle-earth and Valinor. Hallbrand must have either been exiled from his home or ran away due to some dark misdeed they think also that his raft will encounter Galadriel. And I think that we get that shot, like I said, a little later on in the trailer. Then we get an elf doing elf things, right? I mean, this is the very Legolas-like kind of feats, or the feats that we expect from a Legolas-like elf, uh, like catching an arrow mid-flight and then uh, using it, pulling his bow back and using it to shoot back at his enemies. And uh, Screen Rant says this, The Rings of Power debuts Ismael Cruz Cordova's character, Arondir, another new addition to Tolkien mythology. Arondir is a sylvan elf or wood elf, heralded more for their combat abilities. That seems to be right in line with Legolas, right? Um, Arondir clearly knows his way around a bow and arrow, catching a projectile midair, and firing it back with his own bow. Arendir will be involved in a Romeo and Juliet-style forbidden romance angle, see what I mean about possible spoilers, with a human woman. And uh, Polygon says that the woman is a village healer named Browen, and there is one of the shots of Arendir and uh, Bronwyn. Bronwyn? Bronwyn? I'm... Yeah, already I'm trying to, I'm mispronouncing some of these names, um, but uh, there's a shot of the two of them in the variety feature, uh, which you're probably seeing right now as I do this video. We get another title card that says before the ring. So tells us that this is before the ring of power uh, has been forged, I guess. And uh, we see a fireball streak across the sky and a very regal-looking elf staring into the sky. I don't know if he's staring at the fireball or not, if the two shots are connected or not, but if they are, Screen Rant says about the fireball, traveling too straight to be a catapult missile, but too low to be a harmless shooting star, magic must be afoot in this mysterious shot. Perhaps a spell from a resurgent Sauron, 
an attack from Morgoth's remaining Balrogs, or the elves firing against an unseen enemy. That's very interesting. Uh, now, as opposed to this, Indie Geek calls the fireball a comet or a meteorite. I can go with the meteorite. I'm not so sure I can go with the comet because it didn't look uh, spacey enough for me. But I could go with the comet as opposed to it just being some kind of war projectile. But uh, who knows exactly. Uh, Polygon says that the gentleman who's looking up into the sky, and we're not sure if he's looking at that projectile or not, is uh, Benjamin Walker. Uh, and they didn't know who this elf was. So that doesn't help a whole lot. There's lots of things that indicate regality, like the golden robes, a lot of rings, uh, but they couldn't figure out his identity. Yet, on the other hand, Screen Rant uh, says that uh, this is the most important elf in the Rings of Power. He's the High King of Noldor, Gil-galad, which will be very familiar to people who have read the books, I believe. Uh, and the casting had not been announced officially. Gil-galad, they say, was portrayed by Mark Ferguson in Peter Jackson's Fellowship of the Ring. Um, but they believe that this role could now possibly uh, be occupied by Benjamin Walker. So they think Benjamin Walker is Gil-galad. Uh, also, in Deep Geek concurs that this is Gil-galad, uh, the most notable High King of the Elves in the Second Age, based out of Linden in the far northwest of Middle-earth. Next, we get another shot of Galadriel, who's either, maybe she's still in a race and she's racing her horse, or maybe she's charging an enemy. Um, so that's uh, more likely to be the case. And uh, Screen Rant says this about this. Leading her fellow cavalry is Galadriel. The teaser trailer neglects to show who Galadriel is charging, but most likely she's waging a campaign against lingering supporters of Morgoth who are still alive in the Second Age, motivated by the loss of her brothers. See, we're getting an awful lot of story backstory here. Who either died during the conflict or were captured and tortured by Sauron. And remember that Sauron is our big bad here. Now, In Deep Geek agrees that we see Galadriel fighting off the remains of Morgoth's armies. So that would seem to be what everybody else is thinking. Not the race that I speculated it might be. Just, you know, it's like a triathlon. Climb an ice flow, race a horse, uh, and then run a marathon. Right? That's the That's the... Middle Earth triathlon right there. Uh, let's move on. Um, can't tell you exactly who this person is myself, uh, but there are some ideas that come from my contributors here. Uh, all I know is that they're fighting a, a cave monster of some kind, maybe a cave troll, although it looks maybe a little bit different than uh, the way that Peter Jackson did trolls. It still could possibly be a cave troll. Here's what uh, Screen Rant says. The torch-waving cave explorer is easily mistaken for Robert Amoya's Elrond, but despite the strange resemblance, is actually played by Kip Chapman. Without glimpsing ears, it's hard to discern which race this figure belongs to, although the presence of chainmail and arrows suggests an elf of some variety. Now, Polygon on this particular character says he's dressed in the same grays as Galadriel was 
in the ice climbing scene, perhaps indicating some connection between the characters. Uh, a lot of this stuff is stretching. I mean, the shots go by very fast and people have to have certain quotas of stuff to read and write. And I could really care less about the speculation. But what I like to do is air it out with all these people that have conflicting things so that they can't go back online uh, in nine months and say, see, I was right when, in fact, they were not. Uh, and I'm just as bad about being wrong. But I will be the first to admit when I'm wrong as opposed to. Uh, some of these types that feel like that they're above everybody else because they're critics. Yeah, critics, not fans. Usually the fans have it figured out better than the critics. And Screen Rant finally comments on the creature itself. Bears strong resemblance to Middle Earth's trolls, the grayish skin, lumbering size, and cave habitat all consistent with early troll breeds. And Polygon adds that it was a cave troll-like monster. We get yet another title card, A New Legend Begins This Fall, and then this shot that I absolutely fell in love with, uh, beautiful elven scenery. There's some kind of elven ceremony going on here. Uh, you can tell that it, it almost looks like that's Gil-Galad in the shot as well, with elves kneeling before him, kind of dressed the same as the character was when he was allegedly looking at the fireball, according to everybody else. So Screen Rant says this, Super quick shot depicts the elven ceremony, though the camera is much too far away to tell what's really occurring or who's involved. We believe the black-haired man is Gil Galad. The blonde woman next to him may be Galadriel. The bigger takeaway is how strongly the Rings of Power evoke the visual tone of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings movies. I totally agree with that. Uh, the first thing I thought of was Rivendell when I saw this. It just the, the, the cliffs, the running water, the beautiful elf structure on top of it, the colors of the leaves, which is very strange because one of the reasons that we learn in Peter Jackson's series regarding the Lord of the Rings that the leaves are turning those colors is because it is the time of autumn for the elves. It's why they're all leaving to go to the west, to Valinor to take their final place in eternity as opposed to sticking around in middle earth. Um, so the color scheme, maybe being that it's just the second age doesn't really work with the storyline of the elves themselves. However, it certainly does evoke the images of Peter Jackson's series, just like screen rant says. And I love that. I think that is absolutely beautiful. I could do that over and over and over again. Um, now, Evidently, Rivendell is not created yet by this time period. Uh, we're going to meet a young Elrond here in a minute, and he is the one who actually designs and builds Rivendell. And, of course, we meet Elrond in the uh, Peter Jackson movies as well, uh, residing there, residing at home where he, that he built, that he should be very proud of because it's very beautiful. Um, but I feel like that all of that imagery was just super fantastic. One other thing that, again, kind of draws a Peter Jackson comparison is that Screen Rant says that the large bowl hanging over the waterfall is similar in design to Galadriel's mirror that we saw in The Fellowship of the Ring that Frodo used uh, and saw what was going to be happening, that 
didn't happen in the movies, but was supposedly going to be happening. Uh, and we do know happened in the books as well. Then there's a shot of a dwarf smiling and uh screen rant identifies this actor as Owain Arthur, who is going to be playing Prince Durin the fourth of Casa doom. And uh, we also know that place as the mines of Moria, right from the Lord of the Rings movies. And Screen Rant goes on to say, though still a prince during the Rings of Power timeline, during the fourth eventually becomes king and fights during the last alliance of elves and men. So we will, that's one of the storylines earlier that we said we might see in this series. Screen Rant continues to say that consequently, Durin's timeline falls later in the Second Age and closer to the era of Isildur, who will also feature in the Rings of Power. With Galadriel and Elrond's stories seemingly taking place several thousand years prior, does Durin IV's inclusion confirm a multi-timeline narrative? How about we just go with our original thought, Screen Rant, and that is that the time will be compressed as opposed to having multi-timeline narratives that just seems unneeded and way too complicated and the showrunners have said that they are making this show for anyone from ages 11 through adult so it's not like they're going to be throwing um concepts that are going to confuse a child too much i'm not saying it's going to be a kid's show i'm just saying that you don't need a multi-timeline if you want to do it, fine. I'm totally cool with it. I'm just saying you don't need it. Not if they're going to just go ahead and compress everything. Uh, Polygon says that Tolkien placed the demise of Khazad-dûm during the reign of Durin the Sixth, as opposed to Durin the Fourth. So we're not likely to see the, the Balrog uh, cameo in the Rings of Power, or so Polygon speculates. Um, so there you go. We won't get to see the Balrog. That would be a shame. Uh, the next shot is an elf kneeling by a rock. Perhaps they're at Casa Doom. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is your younger version of Elrond, just like we have a younger version of Galadriel. Uh, Screen Rant says that this is Robert Arameo as the younger Elrond, who, of course, was Hugo Weaving's character in the Peter Jackson trilogy. During this era, Screen Rant says, Elrond is serving under Gil-galad and is described in official marketing as politically ambitious. Hmm. I guess that kind of fits Elrond. Creating Rivendell will be his ultimate goal. So there you go. We don't have Rivendell yet, but this is the guy who's going to try to do it. And, of course, we realize by watching Peter Jackson's trilogy that he will, or by reading J.R. Tolkien's books. I don't mean to abandon book readers here. I'm just trying to put this in a perspective that everybody because it feels like everybody in the world has seen the lord of the rings uh including smetana who <laughs> is just ranting and raving about it i think she watches them like maybe seven times a year all, all of the extended versions so uh in deep geek also says this about elrond uh he's at Kazadum the wonderful dwarf kingdom that will become the mines of moria well this is really something that we already knew uh, in Deep Geek. I guess I should have read that earlier. It's not on you. You didn't have any idea I was going to be quoting you in this podcast. 
uh, when you made your wonderful YouTube video, which was very informative. Again, the link for all of these articles will be in the show notes. Now, we've got Durin, the male dwarf, and we remember Gimli always talking about female dwarves in Peter Jackson's trilogy. Well, now we have one. I don't see a beard, but we do have one. And according to Polygon, this is the dwarven princess Disa, who is played by Sophia Nomvede. I probably butchered that name. I apologize, uh, Sophia. I think I said Sophia correctly, so I'll just continue to call you Sophia. Um, she's a princess, and Durin the Fourth is a prince. It seems likely that they are related by marriage or blood. And uh, in Deep Geek agrees on all accounts of that. Screen Rant adds, she is the princess of Khazadum, and includes that this is the first female dwarf in live action of the Lord of the Rings has ever done any series of the Lord of the Rings in live action. So that's a wonderful start. Um, we're back to Galadriel. And this time there's this hand, a human hand, which is pulling back her hair to reveal her ears. Uh, and it looks like it's on a wrecked boat. And remember all those conversations about how Halbran and Galadriel will meet uh, in the sea? Well, this is probably your way. Screen Rant says, Galadriel and Halbert encounter each other during a terrible storm at sea. In this scene, an unknown hand, almost certainly Halbert's, given the watery wreckage in the background, lifts Galadriel's hair, checking the shape of her ears. They add, this intrusive moment establishes an initial mistrust between Galadriel and her new traveling companion, ahead of an inevitable reconciliation further down the road. Man, they're telling us an awful lot of stuff. But are they telling us anything true? I'm not sure. The next shots are kind of intriguing because we have, I think, a Harfoot? I mean, it's definitely a small person who's helping this old man who is in the middle of this fire. And here's what we have from Polygon. A smaller, shaggy-headed person reaches out with their hand to what appears to be an old man with wild hair and a beard. And they both appear to be in a pit of flaming wreckage. I don't know if I'd say wreckage. It looks more like rocks than wreckage. But the smaller character silhouettes align pretty much with Megan Richards' unnamed Harfoot lass. And thanks to Vanity Fair, we know that her plotline in the series will begin when she and a friend... There's your second Harfoot that Indique Geep was talking about. Encounter a mysterious lost man whose origin promises to be one of the show's most enticing enigmas. There's only one thing that a bearded old man in the middle of danger means in the iconography of The Lord of the Rings. Is this Richard's character? Is this her mysterious lost man? Is the Rings of Power hiding a wizard in its unrevealed characters? Those are all excellent questions to ask. I mean, I. what are they trying to imply? That it's Gandalf or something? I mean, come on. It's not Gandalf. Could it be somebody else? Who do you think it is? Tweet to at BusBlockbuster on Twitter. Or send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com. M-A-T-T-S audioblog at gmail.com. Or tweet to at the word double, the letters P-H-Q. Those are my bosses. And tell them what you thought of this trailer. Or who you think the old man in the fire is the fiery old man 
Ha ha, the fiery old man. I made that joke up all by myself. And we're back to our double D, our dashing Durin, as he breaks a rock. Is there mithril in there? Screen Rant says, the teaser enters the rapid-fire final montage of the split-second images all trailers are contractually obligated to include. <laughs> we see Durin the Fourth strike a rock, splitting it in half. During this moment, a group of gray-haired dwarves watch from behind, confirming a significant on-screen presence from this stout species in the show. Stout species, that's a double S. Uh, then we have, is it an elf flying through the air with an axe and a chain around its ankle? That's what I got from that shot. Maybe, maybe it looks like elf ears, but I'm not quite sure. Polygon says that it is Arondir who is swinging a primitive looking axe into battle. I didn't see anybody else there, but okay, that's fine. Why is he in a chain? Uh, in Deep Geek says that uh, they agree with Polygon on this one, and that it is Arondir. Now, Screen Rant takes a different approach. They say a character whose face goes unseen leaps through the air, a long axe in one hand. Though there's no telling what he's up to, notice the chain around his ankle. And then Screen Rant elaborates on this, saying, During the latter days of Numenor, Sauron's influence convinced the islanders to oppress peoples of Middle-earth that were unlucky enough to live by the coast, potentially explaining this all-too-fleeting shot. Interesting. The next quick shot is elves fighting. What are they fighting? Orcs? I'm not exactly sure. Uh, Screen Rant says, deliberately similar to the Battle of Helm's Deep from the Two Towers. Elves in golden armor clash with pesky orcs, all clad in heavy dark iron. Well, first of all, Helm's Deep wasn't even the first time that we saw that. We saw that also, in the prologue of Fellowship of the Ring. But Screen Rant goes on to say that just as the orcs later served Sauron, they followed Morgoth beforehand. So whenever the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, is set, orcs will be giving the elves a headache. Hmm. Uh, in Deep Geek thinks that this character may be Finrod, uh, but also points out that Finrod actually wasn't around in the Second Age. He died right at the end of the first age and that the TV story is set in the second age over there at Indie geek. They continue to make a whole ton of excuses as to how the TV show might incorporate Finrod into the second age story. Um, maybe a flashback, uh, maybe even though Finrod died uh, defending Baron in uh, Tolkien's stories, they'll still figure out a way to change something or that. Um, I'm trying not to pin character names on any of these people that we don't really have any direct IMDb access to or haven't heard from in regards to uh, magazine articles. I don't try to speculate about things, folks. I'm just here to enjoy it. I'm not here to make some kind of prediction and then pat myself on the back in six months and say I was right. Uh, that's for other people. That's for people like Screen Rant. That's for people like Indeep Geek. That's for people like Polygon. And the next and last major shot is a very small hand reaching out to a very large hand. And uh, then there's this title card, The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, September 2nd. 
And we know that to be September 2nd of 2022. This year, this September, yay! Uh, Screen Rant describes the shot as, since this is the last shot of the trailer, whomever's hand this belongs to must be of great importance. The hand's ominous aura may suggest Sauron, but the Dark Lord's Anatar form is supposed to be quite fair-looking, not covered in dirt. Get ready for this prediction from Screen Rant. Tom Bombadil is possible. Whoa! Given the godlike forest dweller's association with nature, and the same figure is shown holding an apple in the Rings of Power character posters. Screen Rant tries a more exotic option, being the hand belonging to Olurin, the original form of Gandalf, and goes on to mention that before his incarnation as a wizard, Gandalf walked unnoticed amongst elves of Valinor to learn more about them. These tattered clothes and carrying hands could be part of that disguise. Well, who are the small hands? Is that a Harfoot? Uh, Polygon says the final image of the teaser is of a small hand grasping fingers to those of one much larger. A child and an adult? A Harfoot or Hobbit and a demigod? And just putting those two shots together, the character poster and the hand in the trailer shot, they do seem similar. The clothing seems kind of similar, so it's a possibility. Uh, whoever's holding that apple in the poster could be holding the hand in the trailer. I'm not exactly sure whether that uh, means anything or not, but I suppose we will find out. And that concludes my breakdown of everybody else's breakdown of this Lord of the Rings trailer, uh, the Rings of Power. Wow, what a name! It's a great, it's a great title. Um, and it, since they say before the One Ring or before the Ring, which I'm assuming is the One Ring to rule them all, um, then perhaps we shall see the forging of all of the rings, or maybe some of the rings of our. I don't remember when the rings were forged. I'm sorry. Like I said, I'm not a Tolkien scholar. One Ring .net. Go to OneRing.net if you want Tolkien scholars. If you just want to yuck it up a little bit with me, if you're having a yuck at all, except just to hear me babble and babble and babble, uh, then, you know, stay here. But if you want serious, expert predictions, go to Screen Rant or to Polygon or to Deep Geek. Or if you want superior knowledge go to onering.net why am i blasting everybody today i'm just like i'm just i'm taking everybody out and i'm not exactly sure why oh well that's what i do what's worse so since it's no fun for me to argue with myself um you're going to get enough of the taste of that soon anyway uh when i uh, take on uh coach t as a co-host talking about the Witcher season part two. Uh, we'll get to that sometime next week. The podcast will be out, but uh, I'm not going to argue with myself on what's worse questions. I'm just going to put these on the poll, but I'm going to ask you now directly and you can put them in the comments on YouTube. We'd love to do that. If you do that, or you can just simply go to at bus blockbuster on Twitter. Shortly after this podcast comes out, you will find the poll up near the top of the profile page of that of that Twitter. What's worse, 
being stuck in a fire or having the only person who can help you out of the fire being a Harfoot. My second what's worse question, what's worse, being an ice flow that Gladriel sinks her knife into or being a rock that Durin splits? So you're an inanimate object. I guess if you're ice, then you have a chance to melt and flow and be free again. If you're rock, you're just broken half, right? But you decide. You let me know by voting on the polls at Bus Blockbuster on Twitter. And I have just a little bit of feedback to get to as well. Oi, can we get the feedback out of the monitors, please? Whew. I got to do something about that bumper. Not today. Uh, my nemesis. Actually, he's a really good guy. I'm just joking. He's not really my nemesis. But he does beat me at Wordle every day. And the one day that I beat him, he had an excuse that there were two Wordles. There were two Wordle puzzles. And he says he got the tougher one and I got the easier one. I don't believe it. I think that I actually won that Wordle day. Anyway, my good friend, he's definitely a double L. That's a loyal listener uh, to all Double P podcasts. And we really appreciate him always sending feedback to anything that we do uh, because he's darn it, you know, like 99 out of a hundred times he's right, which is also frustrating, but here's his thoughts on the Lord of the Rings trailer. Batman 23 says, Batman 23 on Twitter says, I thought the Lord of the Rings trailer looked great. I'm curious what we'll get since there's all this legal issues involving the use of the Silmarillion. They're going to reference stuff from the Silmarillion, but not necessarily tell the stories from that book. But it looks like we get some good stuff. Hobbits, Harfoots, fine. Elves, dwarves, orcs, flaming stuff hitting the earth, catching arrows and sending them back. Cool, cool coastal cities. Galadriel working her way over ice. Is she crossing the Helcorex? I don't know what that is, Patman, uh, but Patman wants to know, is she crossing the Halcorex? Did I even say that right, Patman? You will have to correct me, as you usually do, and go to OneRing.net to find out if they're, she's crossing the Halcorex. 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 I'm going to stop trying to pronounce it now. That's it for this particular podcast. Thank you so much for joining me this time around as we looked at this trailer. I know, pretty amateurish, my approach to the whole thing. Just read everybody else's thoughts and then make fun of them as we go along. But that's kind of what I do anyway, right? I mean, I never offer any real original thoughts myself. I just offer everybody else's thoughts. I'm lazy that way. I, I use everybody else's stuff and I create it into wonderful content through editing and acting like that I'm really knowledgeable about things when I'm really just surrounding myself by people who you normally are. Catfish is not one of those people. Catfish is not one of the people who I typically turn to for superior intellect, even though he is smarter than I am. It uh, doesn't matter. Uh, I will refuse to let Catfish think that I turn to him for his superiority. I will let him think that I use him, though. That's fine, which is probably why I didn't show up for this particular podcast. Uh, he's your 67th favorite CJG man on Twitter. That's right. CJG man 67 on Twitter. Send him a tweet telling him how much you loved his commentary on this podcast. Ha, 
you tweet to at bus blockbuster on twitter or at the word double the letters phq with any thoughts that you have about the trailer we'll share them in a future podcast also you can send emails to matt's audio blog at gmail.com or you can go to matt's audioblog.com and use the contact form there we want you to subscribe to the youtube youtube.com slash c slash the word double the letter p the word media double p media for youtube otherwise that's the same as their website also double p media.com and don't forget their facebook page which is like their twitter handle it's all kind of confusing not nearly as confusing as all the different kind of handles that i have but the facebook is facebook.com slash the word double the letters phq the twitter is double phq everything else is double p media whoo uh boy i'm just on a rant today anyway i will let you all go thanks for participating with us take care part of double p media double p media.com